0: If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to turn to the book of the Song of Solomon uh, in the fifth chapter, you can turn there for just a moment. And I also want to ask you to turn back to the book of Psalm, uh, the 119th division of the book of Psalms. Again, if you can turn to the Song of Solomon, chapter 5, and then you can also turn back uh, to the book of Psalms 119, Uh, again, those two places this morning. Uh, I want you to turn to, and uh, if the Lord sees fit, we'll turn to a few other places here uh, in just a moment. Again, Song of Solomon, chapter 5, and, the book, and uh, also the book of Psalm uh, 119. We were, I was sitting here listening to that song uh, that says, I'll be a friend to Jesus. In our lesson today, we're going to talk about that, obviously, uh, that Christ is a much better friend to us than we are to him. If you were here this morning before Sunday school in our uh, scripture reading that we heard from the book of Proverbs, it talks about how that iron sharpens iron. So in other words, the same substance, they kind of have to be the same and how that they sharpen each other. So when we say that uh, iron sharpens iron and that we're going to be a friend of Jesus, uh, I hope that we realize that he is also a friend unto us. So in the book of Solomon, chapter 5, we're going to read about a relationship. And here in the book of Psalm, we're going to talk about how sweet that relationship is. I want to read, if I can, in uh, Psalms 119. and Skip all the way down to the 103rd Psalm. Excuse me, verse of the 119th Psalm. 103rd verse says this. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. In other words, what you do... Is good for me. There's an explanation mark. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Turn over to the Song of Solomon for just a minute. And I want you to listen to just a portion of that 16th verse in the middle part of the last verse. This is my beloved. My beloved, this morning, the Song of Solomon is very richly and deeply about a relationship between a husband and a wife. I believe that there's a relationship between those two that nobody else knows unless you have that relationship. In the Song of Solomon, I I would love and I would long for any relationship here on this earth. To get to a point that the wife can look at the husband and say, much like that, that his mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. Now, I'm not saying that a wife can't love her husband. What I am saying is, this is a true relationship of what it's like between the church, the bride of Christ, and Jesus Christ. We understand, according to the sixth chapter, which is only the next verse, gets into the sixth chapter in the first verse. Notice what it says in the third verse. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. He feedeth among the lilies. The Song of Solomon is all about a relationship. I'm going to go out there this morning, and I want you to know that when we talk about my beloved... I believe only those that are saved can truly understand what a relationship with Jesus is all about. Now, I believe there's a lot of religious people. Well, not who Jesus is. He was born of a virgin. That's a true, correct answer that you can give in Sunday school class. That's the correct answer to a test. But I want you to know this morning that not only do we know Jesus as far as the correct answers, we know him in his relationship that he speaks to his people. Do you believe this morning if you're saved that God speaks to you? If you don't say amen this morning and you don't nod or have an understanding of that, that He is not your beloved. But folks, I thank God today that He speaks to us. We often tell everybody on a service in a Sunday morning when we gather, they say, whatever the Lord speaks unto you, you have to listen to that. Why? Because the 16th verse says, His mouth is most sweet. Here we've got a bride speaking of the bridegroom and what she thinks about him. She's not going to find any flaws in him. Now, I don't know of a marriage on this side of the grave and this side of eternity that can say that there's not things that everything is just perfect. Now, I know that we might say it's pretty ideal, but to say perfect is not it. Listen to what she says. His mouth is most sweet. You want to talk about a relationship to be aspired to want to be like? What would it be like between a man and a woman to have a perfect relationship that everything he said was just perfect? Now there's some pretty smooth sayers out there today. But I want you to understand the relationship of Jesus. Is there anybody here this morning, if we were to stop and allow time, that would try to convince any of us today that the words of Christ are not always accurate? Unintentionally, I will probably say things I want to say I will. I know I do. Unintentionally, I will tell my wife things that are wrong. It's not that I don't love her. It's not that I, I, I'm trying to lead her down a path or I'm mad at her. But it's a simple fact of I have a human nature about me. And all the words out of my mouth are not 100% perfect. But I believe the words out of Christ is very perfect. I believe that His Word from Genesis to Revelation, I believe it is perfect. Don't you love to be a part of a church that wants to hear not just a a small portion of the Word of God, but they want to hear the entire counsel of God? Folks, a a true indication of a New Testament church is, Preacher, I want you to preach the entire Word of God to us. That's what we feast on. That's what we hunger for is the entire Word of God. Many people kind of go through and they'll pick out bits and pieces and they'll get themes and they'll get ideas and they'll kind of cling to that, folks. I thank God and I believe in what we as God's people that we want to hear the entire Word of God. This bride began to talk about her husband and said, His mouth is most sweet. Is there any part of the Word of God that we do not want today? Church, I want you to know something today. And if you're here and you're saved this morning, there there are things in our life that if we want to take and exclude it from them, we can. But I believe again in the entire Word of God. Notice what here Solomon is talking about. The bridegroom says, uh, the bride says to the bridegroom, "His mouth is most sweet." We read to you there in the very beginning in the Book of Psalms. I want to read that verse to you one more time. The bride talks about her husband having words. He said, his mouth is most sweet. Psalms 119 and 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Do you know we have different likes and dislikes or taste buds, you might even say? What's good to one may be horrible to another. This world may say God's word is just too hard to live by. Somebody else may come up and say, God's word is just impossible for us to apply to our life, so we don't want that. What might be something that is bitter to you, it's sweet to me. God's Word is something that I need in my life. It's something we welcome in our life. Why? Because He is our Beloved. He's my Beloved. Maybe I should say that because it is going to get personal in a minute. I want to hear the words of Christ, not just on Sunday, but every day. And the psalmist said, How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Jeremiah tells us in the book of Jeremiah chapter 15 and in verse... 16 it says thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart that's not a lost person saying that there's not a lost person that's going to say the word of god brings joy to their life because you know what the word of god will do it'll condemn you but aren't you glad today to know that we can feel because we belong unto him i want you to listen when he talks about my beloved here in this uh the book of uh, song of solomon chapter 5 and in verse 16 notice what it says His mouth is most sweet. What is it that that Jesus teaches us? What did Jesus do during those years that He was here upon this earth? What did He do? He came about teaching. And you know what teaching is? He revealed more and more and more. I want you to ask yourself something this morning. Is there such a thing as you're learning more about a person, and then the more you, I don't want to say distance yourself, the more you may dislike their actions or the things that they do. I'm asking you this morning because of this Is there a soul that roams this earth that has been saved by the grace of God that will say, The more they know Jesus, the more they dislike him? In fact, I believe that a true child of God, the more they know about the Lord, the more that they love him. A true relationship and that that, that moment of intimacy is where you, you can know a person and all their flaws and all their mistakes and everything about them and there is no fear that they're going to leave and they're going to go abandoned. Aren't you glad today to know that Jesus knows all about us? But if you're saved by His grace, you do not have a fear that He's going to leave you or abandon you. He's going to make you a better person. He's there to give you what you stand in need of. And that's why I can say like this, uh, the, the, the bride did of her bridegroom. His mouth is most sweet. That's what Christ wants for His church. That's what Jesus wants for His children today. That we might clean and that we might want to hear His words. I don't know what you're like in your relationships in this world. But I can tell you on probably some of the darkest hours that I've ever had in my life some of the greatest things that I could ever do is to hear the very voice of a companion or somebody very close unto you. I know there are people that are on this earth that don't have that privilege in this very hour, but I want you to know this, you do have the voice of Jesus speaking unto you. What would it be like today not only to be absent of, uh, of, of people in our life, but to be absent of Jesus and His voice in your life? Aren't you glad today that nothing today can take away these words? His mouth is most sweet. And you know, not only did this bride want to just love, you you can just get this idea. She was in love with her husband and that's the way it should be. And everything he did was just perfect. Now we know that there are lots of ladies that want to make their husband have to be perfect and I know my wife's not one of those. But I do know this. The church can't talk about her Jesus and we can declare Him as one that is perfect. If He touches it, it's just right. If He says it, it's just perfect. Everything about Jesus is just right. His mouth is most sweet. Yea, He says, He is altogether lovely. I don't know. If people go through life and a lot of times when, they're, when they leave this world, they say, I just never heard a bad word spoken of Him. Well, there's probably some wrong about people. I'm not trying to say we're bad people. But I also know that every one of us have issues in our life or battles in our life that probably cause some hurdles for us. But you know what? I believe that Jesus is, he is altogether lovely. Who this morning wants to stand up and say that what God has done for you in your life, that he abandoned you That God was not there for you. That God did not feel for you. That God did not see you through those moments of time. Folks, He did just that. He does that for us. He's going to continue to do those things for us. And that's why we can say as a church that He is altogether lovely. There's a lot of people that have gotten in the habit of criticizing Christ. You can criticize me as a husband because I have my faults and my failures. Anybody, and I know that even those closest to you and those furthest away can look and say, He's not the ideal husband. I want to say you're exactly right, but Christ is the ideal husband for His church. He's perfect. He's what we aspire. He is what we desire to see and to transpire and to happen. And everything about Him was about His love that He had for His bride. I would love to stand up here and tell you that This husband is always about doing everything that's about his bride. Sometimes selfishness kicks in. But you see, Jesus was all about a purpose and a mission. And in that mission was about this relationship to be strong. And he says, his mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. You see... I want you to know that this morning there's not a a one of us that probably should uh, or cannot, but we should not stand up and criticize what Christ has done for us in our life. A lot of people are trying to uh, pick and choose and say, well, this is good and this is bad. You know what? If He is in it, it's all good in our life. Not that it's good as far as how it feels to us. It's good the fact of knowing that He is in the very actions or the very things that happen in our life. To a church today, I can see a, a group of people That they look at Jesus and they can say his mouth is most sweet. If he says it, then it's good. Yea, he is altogether lovely. But here's where I read to you this morning our title would come from. This is my beloved. He talks about that relationship between her and him. And how that there was a, a true relationship. This is my beloved. And not just my beloved. And this is my friend. When we were singing that song, I'll be a friend of Jesus. We're going to talk about this maybe in just a minute. In a friendship, there's two kinds of ways this goes. It's two directional. It's how A treats B and how B treats A. In other words, how this one treats this one and this one treats that one. I'm not asking you this morning, how do we treat the bridegroom in Jesus? I'm asking you how does Jesus treat us as His children? Sometimes we kind of want an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. True love between a man and a woman is not that He wants to cause you to suffer anything, but He wants to make you better and overcome the hurdles in your life. To a church today, aren't you glad today that Jesus is just that unto us? That He is, as He said, He is my beloved. That's what He says He is right there. He says, this is my beloved and this is my friend. I love how it gets very personal there. I don't know what He is to you, but I'm going to tell you what He is to me any person that may come in and out amongst us here at this church, what I want them to know is, I don't know what Jesus is to you, but I know what He is to me. I know what He is to the members of this church. He is sweeter than honey that we talked about there in the book of Psalms. That, that the words of Him, it's what we long to hear. A husband can hit ignore on a call from his wife because and vice versa. A wife can hit ignore on a call from a husband because she doesn't want to talk to him. And I ask myself, Lord, what kind of a shape is it when you don't want to hear from that companionship? And we see here is that, that, that Jesus doesn't want us to ignore Him. And I want to tell you this. I'm going to go ahead and say it now. Is that there's a difference in us wanting to hear the Lord on Sunday morning for an hour or two versus wanting to hear from Him every single day. Folks, let me tell you something about Jesus. I don't want to hear from Him for an hour or two. I want to hear from Him every day. His word is just sweet as He said. Uh, Yay, yeah, He is altogether lovely. Folks, I don't go to church because I have to go to church. It's because I want to know more about the Lord. I want to hear more about Him. I want to know more about Him. When I go out in the world in a little while, and maybe tomorrow if time tarries, and the next day, and the next day, I go out into a world today, and I want to hear Jesus in my life. I want Him to hear me, and I am going to hear Him. My wife is not just my wife on Sunday morning or just on a Saturday night. She's my wife all the time. Legally speaking, she is. Folks, we're not just a church on Sunday morning for a couple of hours. We are always a part of Jesus. We're always a part of that relationship of the bride of Christ. We're engaged, I should even say, to be the bride of Christ and to Him. And it says, this is my beloved and this is my friend. When he talks about a beloved there, he's talking about you've got a pretty good relationship going and it's strong. And you know what? This morning I believe there's a lot of people that have a strong relationship with Jesus. He said, this is my beloved. And he goes on to say, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. I want to turn back to the book of John for just a minute, the 15th chapter. Chapter. John chapter 15. Jesus begins about the vine and the branches. There's a branch that, if it's going to bring forth fruit, it has to abide in the vine. <clears throat> Folks, the only way to know the love of Jesus is to be in Christ Jesus. That's the only way it's going to happen. That's, right. That's the only way these things are going to transpire. But I want to, Jesus began to teach his disciples. And you know what? There was even a point that they started to even debate. Who's the greatest? Who is the greatest amongst them? And Jesus wanted to say, you're all my friends. John 15, and notice what he says in verse 15. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. I want you to really process those words. Jesus said, If you were not my friend, I would hear from our Heavenly Father and I would keep those things as a secret. He said, Oh no, that's not the way this relationship works. He said, If God's revealing to me, I'm going to share it with you. You know what today? You and I get a privilege to know God the same way Jesus knows God. Uh, you, you can really soak up what I mean by that, but you and I get a privilege to know God through Jesus Christ, and he says, "You're not servants anymore. Servants and, and friends, they have two different relationships. Notice what he says here that these disciples here they were they, they, they wanted to know who's the greatest of them all, and who's the, but, but notice what happens. He says, he says, "You're no longer a servant. Who are these servants that are there? You know what? Even Judas had an opportunity. Uh, to be a friend to Jesus. And he didn't do very well with that. Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was there, what kind of friend were they? They were asleep. You remember what I said earlier about how that God treats us or how that we treat Christ and Christ treats us? Look at how the friends are to him. Peter, James, and John in a time of great need, he was asleep. They were asleep. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. All these things happened and these were friends to Jesus. This morning the Song of Solomon is about how that she looked at him. Now Song of Solomon has the way he looks at her. But it's in that particular verse that we're reading about in the 5th chapter of the Song of Solomon. In the 16th verse is how she viewed him. And everything he did was just perfect. Now I know that not all the works of the church are perfect. And we, we are imperfect people living in an imperfect world. But I believe that everything that Jesus does is perfect. Especially the saving of a soul. Folks... When your soul is saved, it is a work done by Christ, and it's a perfect work. Now, if it's a work of the church, man, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. For people that come up before church and say, can you save me? That is a work of the church. That's how we treat Christ. I want you to notice the difference this morning. It's about what he does for us, and that is the perfect work. Folks, one of these days when I stand before God, I'm not going to stand up because of what New Crossroads Church did. You're not going to stand up there because of the work that Shallow did. We're going to stand up there because of the work that Jesus did. And I believe in this. It's perfect. And I believe it is finished this morning. You want to talk about my beloved. He has done a work in me that is perfect. A perfect work. I'm not saying what I've done for Him is right. I'm not saying what I've done for Him is, is always correct. But I know this. What He has done for me is perfect. He said, you that are servants there, He said, hey, "He said you're, you're no longer just a servant. He said, you're a friend. He said, you know everything I know. You know everything that I get to experience. He said, you know these things. Notice what happened. In the book of Psalms in the 41st chapter in the 9th verse says this. Yes, my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Our friendship to him is not perfect, but his friendship to ours is perfect. But notice what it says. His mouth is most sweet, yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved and this is my friend. Well you got servants, and you got friends. we got to talk about that for just a minute. We're going to go back in a minute, and we're going to see in the Old Testament, Abraham is the only person that was ever called in the Old Testament a friend of God. Well, we got to talk about that. We may not have enough time, but we're going to talk about being a friend of God. But notice what, what I want you to notice is, is that it starts out in a servanthood. And you see, the servants are closest to a king. And even the word friend actually comes from not only just a servant, but it also means someone of an inner circle, or we might even say the best man at a wedding. In other words, somebody that really knows the groom really well, knows all about him, and he's, he's right there by his side all along, and you see, he knows all about the groom. You know what today? Jesus is not a mystery for those of us that are saved. Now there's a mystery out there to those that are unsaved. When I say secrets, is it a secret because we don't want others to know or is it a secret because another person doesn't know about it? Let me kind of put that in, in, in terms you can probably understand. We talk about restaurants sometimes saying, man, that's a hidden secret over there. It's not because they're trying to hide their identity. It's just people didn't know about it. You see, there are people today, not that Jesus is hiding himself from them. They just don't know who Jesus is. They don't know what it's like to have that perfect person in their life. They don't know what it's like to have someone that is always there. And here, it talks about the, 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 the friends of a king. They would know him, and they would know all of his secrets. You know, there's a lot of people that want to be a friend of the king, but they want to walk in the world. Folks, if you want to know the secrets of a king, when I say secrets of a king, you've got to get close to him. You know how you get close to him? You get in his church. You get, you get active in the church. You get involved in the church. You read the Word of God. Not just for, for an hour when the preacher preaches to you, but you read the Word of God. You get in the Word of God. I want to know about Jesus. Sometimes I'll read a, a, a news article about a, an event or something that happened and I get absolutely just horrified of what's going on. I just stop reading. I said, I can't read this no more because it disturbs me of what's happening in that particular event. I've never read God's Word. And I just want to say, Lord, I don't want any more of that. I just want more. And I want more. And I want more of that. You know what? My soul is satisfied. But this old flesh is not. I need God's Word. I need Him to speak unto me. Not just during uh, the Sunday morning hour. I need Him on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. I need uh, the bridegroom to speak unto me so that I can listen. And here it talks about the friends of the King and how that. They would get really close to God. And this morning, that's what I prayed that we would all get close to God. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 18 for just a few moments. Remember, I said uh, James tells us in the book of James, chapter 2, that Abraham was a friend of God. So let's go back to the book of Genesis for just a minute. Why did James, in the second chapter I believe it is, and I don't know, 20, 21, 22, somewhere in there, talks about how that he was a friend of God. You see, remember the word friend that we talked about there in John 15 and 15. The word friend that we read about in the Song of Solomon, the fifth chapter and the 16th verse. It also comes from a word to be servant. But there's a close connection to the two. Let's read if we can. Three angels. You can read right here. It says these three angels begin to the Lord and, and, and uh, two other angels. So three angels begin to appear unto Abraham. Now, Abraham was going to see what was going on in Sodom. And you know what? God said, This is what I want you to do. So, what did Abraham begin to do? Notice what he says in the third verse of the 18th chapter. And said, My Lord. If now I have found favor in thy sight, pass me not away. I pray thee from thy servant. Now Abraham's 100 years old, but he's on the move. He's moving about. And he's trying to be a servant. Notice what he says in the fifteenth uh, verse. Excuse me, fifth verse. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, so do as thou hast said. So the first half of the 18th chapter, Abraham is, James 2 tells us, Abraham is a friend of God. Now in the beginning of this, he's a servant. A servant means whatever the needs are of the people, Lord, I want to help meet those needs. Does anybody want to give me a definition of what the church is doing here today? And don't get me wrong, I believe there's a lot of physical needs that the church can help people with utilities, food, support, driving them to a doctor. There, there's all kinds of things the church can do. But I want you to follow me for just a minute. There's a lot of organizations that can do those things, and I believe that they should. I'm not. But do you believe that the church can do something for the soul of a man that no other organization can? I'm a part of organizations in the world that help the needy out, and I'm a, I, I believe in them. But you know what? Those organizations cannot do for a lost sinner what the church can. We teach them about Jesus. We teach them these things. And notice what he says down in the 17th verse. Follow with me for just a minute. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? As a friend of God, I want you to notice what's going to happen here. Abraham is going to be shared the secrets of God Let me tell you something. There's a difference between having secrets of somebody that's in the know or maybe has some kind of special codes or maybe an inside track of something that's about to happen. Let me ask you just to let your mind wander for a minute. Could you imagine what it's like to know the secrets of God? The secrets of God, folks. You and I have access to the secrets of God. Of all the things in the world. People have said, I'm going to tell you something nobody else knows. And by the way, they've already told about 300 people before you. There's always this, what I'm not supposed to tell, or nobody else knows, but we're talking about Abraham got the secrets of God. Folks, today, not only was heaven opened up, and, and, and Jesus came from that place, He's already revealed those into us, and we know that heaven is real. Notice what happened in the 17th verse. Shall I hide from Abraham that which I do? You see, the friends of a king, they was not in a competition It wasn't like I want you to try to get here and there. There was no jealousy. Well, this is what an image of the church is. There's no jealousy in the church. They were all waiting on the king. That's what they were all doing. It was that one and the other and how they would all work together because the servants would wait on the king. What is the church doing? We feel like that there's, there's, there's different categories of people. There's pastors and there's deacons and there's Sunday school teachers, folks. We all are covered by the blood of Jesus and we are all saints today. And I mean saints not because of our lifestyles, but we're saints because of the blood of Jesus. You want to talk about my beloved, he's our beloved, and that's who he is to all of us. He says, shall I hide from Abraham that which I do? To all these people that want to know who's the greatest, is it this servant? Or is it this servant? What about this servant over here? What about this servant? What about the one that sits in the back? What about the one over here? What about the ones that sit up front? What about the ones that stand up front? I'll tell you who the greatest is. It's Jesus. That's exactly who the greatest is this morning. The greatest is not you. The greatest is not me. The greatest is not a person that that, that, that can, can, can speak and to sing and to do all these things. The greatest is Jesus. My beloved today, that's who it's all about. When you want to talk about the greatest, when you talk about that, He says here, shall I hide from my Abraham that which I do. Uh, you know what today, folks, when God reveals unto us His secrets, I know who the greatest is. I know He loves the church and I know He loves Jesus, His Son. That's who He's espoused unto, His Son Jesus. By the way, you can go back and look when Abraham uh, wanted a bride uh, for Jacob. You know, he didn't just want anybody. He had to be somebody that met some certain criteria. Folks, not anybody is going to be the bride for God's only begotten Son, Jesus. He said, I'm going to set out some criteria and it better be somebody like Him. You know how we're like Him? By the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how we're like Him. Again, you want to talk about what He's done and what we've done. And you see here in our our, our reading that we read to you here in the book of Song of Solomon, in the fifth chapter, in the 16th verse, notice what it says. His mouth is most sweet, yea, He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, this is my friend, oh daughters of Jerusalem. I'm thankful today to know that everything that God does is perfect. I want to turn over and I'm going to close in a minute in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. You want to talk about a friend? You want to talk about a servant? I hope this is not going to fall on sensitive ears or a hardened heart because sometimes we want to do it when it's convenient. Sometimes we want to only when we can gather something out of it. 15th verse. And David longed. There was a person that had a longing. I oh, hope that a lost world knows. Oh, that there's a longing of God. There's a longing of God that lost people not know His Son, Jesus. And it says in David, he longs. He said, Oh, that one would give me to drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. He said, I need a servant. He said, I know what I've done for them, but I need them to do something for me. To the church, we see not only what God has done for us, But we have to say, do we have an opportunity of what we can do for him? Listen to what he said. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines. This was not ideal conditions for them to go into, but if David had a need, they were willing to go regardless of how hard it was. Folks, today the church has endured the dark ages not because she was wise. She endured the dark ages because the protecting hand of God. That's exactly why that the church is still standing. He says, and all of a sudden they begin to go through the Philistines. And they drew out the water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate. And they took it and they brought it to David. And you know what? They endured the hardships. They endured those elements they were in. And it says, and they brought it back to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out on the Lord. Aren't you glad today that when we can go out into a harsh world and we can get sinners, that in reality it's not what we do to them. We're just going to take them to Him. And then they are going to take them to the Lord. Folks, there's something about Jesus taking somebody to God saying, I died for this for not here. There was a night many years ago that my soul got in the presence of Jesus and he pleaded unto God. He said, I died for that. That one right there. He's done wrong. He's made his mistakes. He has an evil about him. But I died for him. If you're here this morning and you've never been saved, I want you to know he died for you. And if you're ever going to be taken the presence of God, it must be done by Jesus. He's that priest, folks. He's the high priest that can get into God. You and I today, we have access to Christ. We have access to that. But we go in there and it says uh, in that 17th verse there, He says, and he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? These people risked their lives you just, remember when I talked about how we want to do it when it's convenient, he said oh no he said these people are willing to risk their lives church, aren't you glad to know today that we can risk our lives and we can even lay our very life on the altar of sacrifice and God's going to take care of us, when's the last time that we had to do that, I, I don't do that very much in my life but I know this, he's my beloved this morning, you know why he's my beloved he's my beloved because of the work that he's done in me, and you know what I'm longing for today, at this whole church and, and there's a lot of churches around around this world today. We're all going to come together. And you know what? I believe there's a great celebration that's going to happen and I'm going to be a part of it. I'm not just going to be witnessing. I get to be a part of it. Let me tell you something. If you don't know this, I I think you do. I know you do. There's a difference of being in a wedding and watching a wedding. You know what? Today I thank God that I get to be a part of it. Uh, Why? Because we get to be a part of His church and I get to be a part of that and I'm thankful today Uh, much like the psalmist did in the book of Psalms. He said, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Boy, that old preacher just gets up there and he says, matter of fact, you know what the world's even called it? Hate speech. Man, they just get up there and they hate people and they're they're mean to people and they're not merciful to people. And you know what? He says, it may be bad to them. He said, but it's good to me. You know what? This morning I thank God for my beloved. For that sixth chapter says, I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. You know what? I belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to us. And one of these days, His church is going to be with the bridegroom. And forever, eternally, we're going to be one with another. God bless you this morning. If you're here this morning and you've got something you need to do, I want you to do that. If you're here this morning and God's stirring in your heart, I want you to listen to Him this morning. A chance if you'll get us a song if you could this morning.